Hey there, and welcome to our podcast, and thanks for joining us for this episode. Now, before we begin, we want to remind you to please take a moment to subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. And if you enjoy this content, please don't hesitate to leave us a five-star review and share this podcast with your friends. We'd like to extend an invitation to you and your family to join us for worship this week at our church. Thanks again for joining us, and now, enjoy the episode. Uh, In Matthew chapter 4, we're going to backtrack and grab the uh, uh, verses from 1 to verse 11. And I pray it's a blessing to you um, tonight. I pray that you understand um, the the content of God's Word. These are words that are are living words. They're words for you. Um, I think... I think when we ever approach God's Word to think that, well, these words aren't for me, we start going down a very dark road. Uh, we always need a, a view of an approach to God's Word that these are words for me. Uh, these are words for my family, for my marriage, etc. They're for me. If they were not for me, we would not have them. Amen? And uh, so we have God's Word tonight, and as we see it in the context in which it was written, we can understand how we are to apply it. And so we're in a series of messages... <coughs> I may have to grab me another water tonight. Um, but um, we're in a series of messages uh, dealing with God's Word is. Um, God's Word is what? Um, tonight, we're going to see Christ use His words, uh, the words of the Spirit, and use them in a mighty way. Um, and so let's read these um, 11 verses tonight. We'll pray and, and dive a little further in. Uh, to what God has for us, all right? If you're there, say amen. All right. Chapter 4, verse 1. Then was Jesus led up of the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted of the devil. And when he had fasted 40 days and 40 nights, he was afterward a hundred. And when the tempter came to him, he said, If thou be the Son of God, command that these stones be made bread. But he answered and said, It is written, Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of God. And then the devil taketh him up into the holy city and setteth him on the pinnacle of the temple. (coughs) Excuse me. Sorry about that. A little loud. My apologies. (coughs) And saith unto him, If thou be the Son of God, cast thyself down, for it is written, He shall give his angels charge concerning thee, and in their hands they shall bear thee up, lest at any time thou dash thy foot against a stone. And Jesus said unto him, It is written again, Thou shalt not tempt the Lord thy God. Again the devil taketh him up into an exceeding high mountain, and showeth him all the kingdoms of the world, and the glory of them. And saith unto him, All these things while I give thee, if thou wilt fall down and worship me. Then said Jesus unto him, Get thee hence, Satan, for it is written, Thou shalt worship the Lord thy God, and him only shalt thou serve. Then the devil leaveth him, and behold, angels came and ministered unto him. Let's, Let's pray.
Father in heaven, we approach your throne of grace tonight. Father, I cannot uh, speak the truth from this word without your help, without your guidance. And Father, I'm I'm thankful for the things you've showed me in in preparing for this message. Um, But Father, help me not to be even attached to my own notes of writing down things that I've learned. Let me just to follow you and be sensitive to you. Um, Lord, I, I want to be said what you'd have to be said because you know who is here. You know who is listening. You know what they need to hear today. And I pray that we understand the power of your word and how we need it in our life because we have a great tempter named Satan is tempting us away from following you. And every one of us are vulnerable to those temptations so we all need the truth that lies before us tonight. I pray we'd receive it and uh, apply it. Father, um, just help me to disappear from the stage once again. Let each one only hear you. And I pray all this in Christ's name and all of God's people said, Amen. So the title tonight is Power Over Temptation. Who wants that? Amen a hundred times. I want power over temptation. Let me ask you a question. How many of you are tempted? If I could raise both feet, I would. We're all tempted. If Christ is tempted, we who follow Christ will be tempted as well. So don't be naive to think that I am above being tempted. No, you are the devil's target. And so tonight we need what Christ has displayed before us. Uh, We all uh, encounter temptation, so the next question is, how can I overcome it? And that's what we see displayed tonight through Jesus' ministry. And so the Word of God is, God's Word is, it's power over temptation. And I want you to see that very clearly tonight. Um, Something to never forget about the devil is that the devil uh, is, is always aware of God's claims. He's aware of God's decrees, the decrees he's made, or the miracles he's done, or the promises that he's made to you. The devil's aware of that. And it's on those grounds that the Satan will show up and tempt you to draw you away from trusting those promises and, and believing that he is who he is. The devil is always doing that. He's not, he's not ignorant. He's very knowledgeable. He knows many uh, things. And what you find here is this. I don't want you to lose sight of what happened prior to chapter 4. What happened? You find uh, Christ was baptized and there was an announcement. There was an announcement from heaven that made all of hell shiver. Uh, Of course, Satan's not in hell at this time and neither is he now. He's very active uh, and all the demons that are under his uh, domain are very active. And uh, tonight, I want us to see that there was a proclamation made that that, that made the devil quiver. And it was simply this. This is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. And you find then the devil shows up and is going to tempt Jesus. Okay? And so it is my understanding uh, is this, that the devil was very much present, I think, at that proclamation. I think he heard the proclamation and therefore I believe he became very irritated and angry because it was a threat to his agenda. He doesn't want anybody to know that 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 Jesus truly is the son of God. He didn't want that to be believed. He didn't want people to see him as such. And you find Satan going to tempt him. The last thing the devil wanted was these, what I would call the links in the chain of approval, so to speak. There was a chain of approval that extended from heaven to earth. 
And Satan's agenda was this, simply to put a hairline crack in one link. If he could do that, he could discredit the proclamation that was made from heaven. And so the devil has the task in front of him. And he believes that if he can take the humanity of Christ and bring him to commit sin or disobedience or doubt or just waver it in any bit and put a hairline crack in one link, then we've lost our Savior. That's what hung in the balance. Now, we know the rest of the story. We know he, Satan was not victorious. But I want, you to, I want us to analyze and see this chain of events here. I want you to know tonight when you leave that God's word is enough to strengthen you to follow Jesus and turn away from temptation. That's what I want you to leave with tonight. I don't care what the temptation is. I don't care how strong it is or how long it's been after you. The word of God is the strength you need to say no to that and yes to Christ. Okay? <clears throat> and we're going to see that through the life of Christ here. Okay? <clears throat> So number one, I want us to see that Christ has displayed a confidence in the Spirit. Now look at verse 1 and verse 2 and verse 3. You find here that Jesus was led by someone. Now remember, it's something very important to understand. Keep this in your mind. Jesus, as he came down... He set aside his own, just temporarily, his his own abilities. And all that he did in his ministry, he relied on the empowerment of the Spirit. So for him to do anything, the miracles or discernment or all the amazing things he did, it came from the Spirit. It came from him and he empowered him. So we have to understand too, it's my belief that even the fact that Christ know, there's some things about his humanity is sometimes mysterious. But I have to keep in mind that he was led by the Spirit. The Spirit had a purpose in what was going to happen. So I think it's easy to believe, too, that Christ not necessarily knew or maybe had the omniscience of his, in, his own, of, in and of his own self that he was going to be tempted by Satan, but the Spirit knew. The Spirit is leading Christ uh, to a place. He's leading Jesus. He's leading, he's leading Jesus to the wilderness. He's first leading Jesus to a time of fasting, 40 days and 40 nights. And let me tell you something. He was hungry. Who would agree with that? 40 days and 40 nights of fasting. Uh, he's going to be hungry. So there is a vulnerability in the humanity aspect of Jesus. When I say humanity of Jesus, I don't mean sinful humanity. I mean the fact that he gets hungry, he feels pain, he can be sorrow, he can cry, he can weep, those things. So... Christ is, is hungry, and so there is some vulnerability there. And Satan now comes, oh, how convenient that is. Satan now comes <clears throat> to tempt him. Now, Jesus did not have to know himself where the Spirit was leading him in order to follow him. Okay? All that, all, the reason we find Christ following the Spirit is because he trusted the Spirit. It never says that the Spirit told him he was leading him to the wilderness, but he was leading him to this place. We don't find the Spirit told him, it doesn't tell us that, that he told him he was leading him to be tempted, but we know that's what, it, what was going to happen. 
So that Jesus did not have to know in order to follow the Spirit. He simply trusted the Spirit. That's the reason I say in this first point tonight, we see this display of confidence in the Spirit of God. And so as you see this, sometimes we're like, well, I'm not going to follow God unless I know every jot and tittle of the details. That, that's not a full trust. We need to trust the nature of the Spirit, who He is, where He's from. We trust Him no matter if He tells us what's ahead or not. Simply He's leading me, that's enough. That's enough. I have the Word of God. I have the Spirit of God. That's all I need, and I'm going to follow Him. Okay? And so we find Christ demonstrating that uh, for us. We don't have to know uh, the details. Let me, just say, let me just throw this in there. Even if you knew all the details of the path that, Christ, that the Spirit was leading you, I guarantee you would still worry about them. You, you would still have all the issues that sometimes you have when following God. You know, the, the doubt and the worry and the anxiety and all that. So don't think if God just flushed out all the details, you wouldn't worry anymore. You, you know, we still we face that no matter what. And so all we need to do is trust the Spirit, and Jesus did that. And so the only reason he went into the wilderness because the solely, he, he completely had confidence in the Spirit's leadership. Psalm 119, 105 says this, Thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. You go into the Eastern culture, you know, when they had lamps. And uh, all was enough, the, un, the amount of light that came from that was simply just to take the next step. It wasn't like a big spotlight you could see half a mile away. It was simply, where can I place my foot next? And that is, that is what the Spirit does for us. Here's your next step. Here's your next step. You know, that's, that's enough. And Jesus, we find, displaying a confidence, a confidence in the Spirit. One thing that saddens me many times is that sometimes uh, uh, <clears throat> leaders in the home will not even venture to investigate the sources that are leading them. Sometimes people will get online or YouTube and listen to this preacher or that preacher or, or this organization and not vet those things out of how they're being led or asking their children of who's influenced them today, inquiring about who is leading them. You know, I just learned of, of a, in our discipleship class, it was a question about a particular cult. I'd never heard of it, but I did my research. And it spread through several countries. And it was just, it, it was a cult through and through. I won't go into the details because a little graphic of what that cult led them in, the kind of practices they were in. Um, but folks, listen, you need to know who's leading you. And inquire. The Bible says, try the spirits. Jesus went into the wilderness. He went to a time of fasting 40 days and 40 nights. Because he trusted the one who led him there. So if, Christ lead, if, if, Christ, if God leads you to a place that seems to be a little barren. Maybe he leads you to a place that seems where you may have to fast or do without. It's not because God doesn't love you. It's because God's preparing you. God's always shaping you. But then we see this. We see this display of power uh, from the Spirit. We're going to dive into the temptations. There's three of them. We're going to learn some things here from these three temptations. So the first one, as I've already sort of already said, that he's hungry. He's fasted 40 days and 40 nights. <clears throat> the tempter came to him. Quick question. Do you think the devil showing up was a shock to the Spirit? Absolutely not. The Spirit knew when the devil would show up and what he would tempt Christ to do. And so the Spirit knew how to empower and lead Christ to be all that he needed to be in this moment for, at the very end of it all, for to be our Savior. So the Spirit is doing the work 
for Christ and he does the work for us. A display of power from the Spirit. So notice these temptations. The first one, it says um, in verse 3, And when the tempter came to him, he said, notice this, If thou be, what? If thou be the Son of God. So what was he talking about? Well, if that announcement from heaven is really true, see what I'm saying? This is what this is all about, to discredit the announcement. That's where he begins. If thou be, if thou be the Son of God, command that these stones be made bread. This first temptation, listen, deals with God's love and God's will. Now, when you think about this, there's really a couple things you can extract from this. First of all, you'll find the devil tries to paint this picture. Maybe the devil's done it to you before. Look at you. Now, maybe the devil tries to, you know, the whole picture, the devil's over here and the Lord's over here and whispering, you know. Look. Look, look at where God has left you. You ever been in moments like that? This is what happens when you get all concerned about God's will and not your will and following him and dying to self and all these things. Look at where he leaves you. So you find this temptation is about God's love and God's will. It is attacking that. This is what you get for serving God and always being concerned about God's will. God simply pays you back by leaving you here to starve. Simply saying, if God truly loved you, as if the devil has any kind of authority to talk about the love of God, if God truly loved you, he would have already fed you. As if the devil is really concerned about you in that way. But, but it's, so he's, 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 taught, he's trying to discredit the love of God. And simply, we find here the devil as well uh, is attacking um, or, or is attempting to entice Jesus to allow his current needs and his circumstances to shift his focus away from, fall, from uh, being concerned or operating in the power of God to operating in his own self. Simply, another, word, another other way to, to say this is, take your life by your reins and do it yourself. Don't, don't follow God. Don't, don't, don't think about his power. Just, just feed yourself. The quickest way you're going to get fed is if you just you do it yourself. Don't, don't follow God. Don't, don't worry about, you know... Uh, Worrying about his will. He doesn't love you. He already fed you. So many times we think that God's love, if, if God's love is real, then, then all the conveniences will be in my life. If God, lo- if God truly loves me, then he'll always give me the comforts of this life or, 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 the, or the plentiest things of this life or having the best that this life offers. And, and, and the devil loves to weave in those things and talking about this is what God's love truly is. When really Christ was not so much caring about the comfort, he was caring about going to the cross because the love of God is embodied at the cross. Not in giving you the best of this life, but to give you the best that heaven had, which is Christ. And and so we find here, he's wanting to shift Christ away from operating under the power of God. He said, Christ, if you listen to me, you'll get food instantly. Instantly. Doesn't that sound good, having it instantly? Just like with this power outage, you want that, you know, instantly you want that back. That's how, we're, that's how this culture is. I want my food just like that. I want it quick. That commercial always is my money. I want it now. I mean, that, that's, and so the devil acts upon that. He knows the culture in which we live in. And so we find that, that Jesus responds. Um, and how does he respond? 
we find it says that he said, it is what? Written. Of course, he's talking about the Old Testament, the, 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 the uh, scriptures that he had at this time. It is written, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of God. So we find here what Jesus is doing. He's simply saying this, that I, he is reaffirming his confidence in the Spirit and in the words of the Spirit. The devil, I don't have to have this physical bread, but I must follow my Father. We, should not put our, we shouldn't put the bread of this life, we shouldn't prioritize that over the, the bread of life. Amen? Monetary over eternal. But that's what the devil's trying to do, to switch those things. Jesus is quoting Deuteronomy chapter 8 and verse 3, and this is what it reads. It says, And he humbled thee, and ser- um, um, suffered thee to hunger, and fed thee with manna, which thou knewest not. Neither did thy fathers know, that he might make thee known, that man doth not live by bread only, but by every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of the Lord doth man live. And so we could also say it this way, we are not to trust the direction that stems from the connection between our emotions and our circumstances. Because we can make decisions based on our emotions that's responding to the circumstance. Anybody ever done that? The decision you made was based off your emotions? You were presented a circumstance, it was tough, it was difficult. You had less than you had before because of the circumstance. You want to get emotional and then act. And the devil is trying to push Jesus to get emotional and act out in the flesh, which would put a, put a crack in that link of that chain of, the, of approval from God. But you find that Jesus said, I am to uh, live by every word that comes from the mouth of God. John 5.30 says, I can of my own self do nothing. As I hear, I judge, and my judgment is just, because I seek not my own will, but the will of the Father which hath sent me. Remember, you are sent out by your Savior. You're saved by grace, and you're sent out with grace. So don't think the only answer I have, the only way out of this, is to follow Satan's advice. Can I just remind you, Satan does not care about your progress. He does not care about your life. He cares about ruining your testimony. And if, if he can do that by helping you operate in your own power and not care about the will of God, whatever he can do, he wants to bring your testimony to non-existence. But we find Jesus was victorious here. But then you see this second temptation. You see this here too. Satan never quits. Who agrees with that? Satan never quits. It goes on. And what you're going to find here is that Satan will adapt to your tactics. Understand that. Notice what happens. He tempted him one way. Jesus replied with the word. Now notice how the devil reacts. Then the devil taketh him up into the holy city and setteth him on a pinnacle of the temple. And said unto him, If thou be the Son of God, cast thyself down, for it is what? Written. Do you see the, the, the adaptation of Satan? Oh, you want to use God's word? Oh, I can use God's word too. And that's what he's doing. I can play your game. And, and so he said, because it is written, he shall give his angels charge concerning thee, and in their hands they shall bear thee up, lest at any time thou dash thy foot against a stone. Satan is no stranger in using God's words. 
He used him in the very book of beginnings, did he not? Hath God said? Hath God really said? Did he really say that? And so Satan is a master of twisting the word of God. Why don't you, if you would, turn to Psalm uh, 91, because this is where this quote is from. But Satan is so good to, to, to mention one part of a passage and leave out the rest. Psalm 91, verses 11 and verse 12. Psalm 91 and verse 11 and verse 12. It says, For he hath given the angels charge over thee. Now, he picks back up in verse 12. They shall bear, uh, bear thee up in their hands, lest thou, lest thou dash thy foot against a stone. And the part that he left out was this, To keep thee in all thy ways. That's what Satan left out. Because the ways of Christ would be the ways of his Father. The will of his Father. And so the whole point about the, about the angels helping him was not uh, for his comfort. What was not in what, what, what Satan was tempting him to do. To jump off the, the, the pinnacle of the temple. The highest point uh, of the temple there. Uh, but, but, but the angels would be there to assist him for one purpose. Not to comfort him, not to deliver him from falling in the rocks if he jumped off, but to keep him in the way to Calvary. That's why, God, that's why the angels would assist him. Because what happens at the very end of all this temptation, who comes to his aid? Huh? Angels. Right. To minister to him and keeping him in the way, helping him, assisting him, nourishing him because he is... He is um, hungry, he's, 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 he's fasting, but we find here Satan twists, uh, he twists the scripture. So in other words, he says, if you really believe scripture, then jump. But let me remind you, always make sure when you read scripture, that you understand the meaning of that scripture, the context of that scripture. Warren Wearsby said this, we can prove almost anything by the Bible if we isolate text Scripture from the context and turn them into pretext, which they would also go on and say, which is simply to make a proof text for what, however you want to live your life. So I can take a portion of Scripture, just take a part of it that I want to make a proof text to how I want to live. And Satan will help you do it every time because he's not, he doesn't want you to follow the will of God. He wants you to follow the will of your flesh. But the Word of God, we're not given a right or authority to make the Word of God a tool for our own lustful purposes. But this is a road map to follow the will of God to live holy unto Him and glorify His name. That's what it's about, leading your families and your marriage, your life to living for Him. You also, It's also like Satan's tempting Jesus to instant fame. It's almost like, you know, Jesus, you don't have many followers at this point. Very early on in ministry, you've got, to do, you've got to do something really big to get the recognition. So why don't you jump off the pinnacle of the temple here and make a big show? He needed to do something very spectacular, but Jesus responded. And how did he respond once again? Now, you think, well, Satan, man, he's on to my tactics. I'm just going to have to leave the Word of God aside now and try to do something else. No, stay the course. Jesus did. Jesus said to him, it is written again, thou shalt not tempt the Lord thy God. 
So Jesus responded with the word. Folks, we should never put God to the test. That's not the purpose of our life. It's trying to put him to the test. And act like there's like some negotiation going on. We are to be at his becking call. We should be servants of the most high God. My pers- my, myself, my person as a man, as a husband, as a father, my family, what God has called me to do should all be at his disposal. We should not tempt him or try to test him. It is only when we doubt someone do we put them truly through some kind of experimentation to, to prove them. Listen. If you're trying to put God to the test, that means you don't trust him. You already doubt him. I don't, we, are, if we are to not put him through experiments because we are to go for trusting him completely. And so Satan was wanting Christ to show doubt in the spirit's leadership. Then you come to this last part, this, this third temptation. Notice here, again, and folks, that's going to be the rest of your life. Again, here he comes. Again, here he comes. So thus far, Christ has said, I've used the word. And how, and how many times, who's winning? The devil's zero and Jesus is two. So it's two to zero. Christ has remained consistent with the word of God following the spirit. And he's been victorious. No crack in the link. And so you find it, it says, and again, the devil taketh him up into an exceeding high mountain. And he showeth him all the kingdoms of the world and the glory of them. And saith unto him, all these things will I give thee. If thou just do one thing, fall down and worship me. Now, simply what this is, is a shortcut to the kingdom. Okay? We have to understand that, that the devil did have jurisdiction over many kingdoms. He had ruling over them and the prince and the power of the air. Um, what Satan, probably, I don't know if he knew it or not, but we know that God promised Christ already these kingdoms. But what Christ, what the devil was trying to do was this, was give him a shortcut. It's simply saying, you know what, you don't have to go to the cross. All you got to do is fall down in worship me is simply saying, Jesus, you can enjoy the glory without enduring the suffering. That's what well, that was the temptation. You may say, Well, that's not a very good temptation. Let me ask you a question. If you could bypass some suffering and experience some glory, would you would you would you take the temptation? Would you fall for it? And that's what was happening. Satan has always wanted to be God. You must understand that. That's the desire of Satan every day is to be God. And he's not going to be able to dethrone God, but he would love for you to put a little more emphasis on him than the God of heaven. He would love for you to live a life as if he was your God and the God of heaven's not your God. Worshiping the creature instead of the creator in the lies that he gives you. But can I tell you something tonight? There are no shortcuts to the will of God. There are none. There is the path that he lays before us. And when we seem to take shortcuts, you know where he brings us back to? Back to the path, the same path. Again, there are no shortcuts. Can I tell you what would happen if Jesus, would, if, he did, if he would have taken, if he would have bowed down and worshipped, 
and received those kingdoms, and he would have received them. Folks, the kingdom that he would have welcomed those kingdoms into would not be a kingdom of liberty and freedom, but he would simply be welcoming them into another prison. There would be no freedom. Christ, you know, he says, repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. And if he would have bent the knee right here in just the least amount of bend in the knee, he would have, Christ said, I'll just back off from these kingdoms and you can have them. And that's what would have happened. But listen, they would have simply been in a deeper prison. There had been no savior whatsoever. 1 Peter 5, 10. But the God of all grace who hath called us unto his eternal glory by Christ Jesus, after thee have suffered a while, make you perfect, establish, strengthen, and settle you. I want you to understand that Jesus, the only way that he could stay with the, with the will of God and give freedom to all these kingdoms, all these people, he had to go to the cross. And as we see that through Christ's life, listen to me, dear Christian, For you to be obedient to the Father. You know what we're also told to do? We are to take up our cross and follow who? The Bible says that we are dead to sin. We are to reject sin and reject temptation. We are dead to that. Take up your cross. Crucify yourself. So as we find that Jesus, if he would have abdicated from that Calvary path, we would have no hope. There would be no true glory. And I want you to understand from your life, living as a Christian, if you try to take a shortcut to God's will without crucifying the flesh and sacrificing oneself daily as a living sacrifice to God, folks, there's not, you're not going to give any glory to the one who saved you. You're not going to be pleasing unto him. You're going to ruin, you're going to wreck your home. You're going to ruin your testimony. And Satan will have won a great victory. You cannot live as a Christian without bearing up the cross daily. And that's what we find here with Christ and what he has told us. Notice what Christ says. Then Jesus says, Get thee hence, Satan, for it is what? It's what? It's written, Thou shalt worship the Lord thy God, and him only shalt thou serve. Can I tell you what Christ is doing here? He did not run away from the whipping post. He, didn't, he was not ashamed of the torture that he would experience. He was not ashamed of the cross that he would go to. He was not ashamed of the justice and the wrath of his father that he would take upon himself. He was not ashamed to go there. He was willing to go fully that all the way to Calvary. He said, only him shall I serve. And he said, simply so he's saying this, the only path for me, Satan, is the path to crucifixion, which then is the path to resurrection, which then is the path for us to come to life eternal. Amen? And so I want you to understand, we must see the power of the Word. So I encourage you, get the Word in your heart. A kingdom without the cross will be nothing more than but gaining a prison. And so many today want the crown without the cross. And so understand, Christ was, folks, these temptations are hard. You fasted 40 days. It, to me, that's starving to death. You know, for me, that's starving to death. And then you're tempted with bread. That's hard. But my life isn't about bread. It's about Christ. It's not about pleasing me and all and how easy it would have been to have taken, to make stones, to make bread out of stones. But he, 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 he continued in that, that path for us. 
He's like, you want fame? You want to be seen as the Savior by everybody? Hey, throw yourself down. Do a big show. Get the attention. Get the fame. He said, it's not about fame. It's about righteousness. It's about freedom. And I'm going to the cross. That's where we come to this. Just worship me. And Christ says, you know what? I care enough about James Johnson. I care enough about Jason. I care enough about Cleet McEnich. I care enough about Lowell Hopper. I care enough about Larry Bennett. I care enough about everyone sitting in this room. I will not bow down, but I will stay true to what the Word of God says, and I will continue on for His glory. He did all of this by the power of the Word. And if you think for a second that you can go a day or two or three days without being influenced by the Word of God and, and fare well for your Savior, you are fooling yourself. Dear friends, start your day with the Word. Because that's how we cross the finish line. It's with the Word. To finish not just well, but to finish with excellence. We have an excellent Savior. Amen? Let us give an excellent life. To him, but you can't do it without this. You've been given this for a reason. This isn't a thing to mark your pew or to be just something laying on your table. It's something to put in your heart. Because the Bible says that I would put God's word in my heart that I might not what? Sin against God. And we have that illustration from our Savior. So tonight, what's the secret of conquering the tempter? And not sinning against God. It's storing up the word of God in our minds. And trusting it when life gets hard and the temptation is real. So it's high time for all of us to take seriously the turning away from temptation. That we may always be turning toward God and following him. So let me ask you a question. How much of this word is in your heart? The word of God, yes, is in these, in these covers. But will it do you any good if it just stays in this leather binding? No. It's got to get in your heart. So therefore it can be seen in your feet, in your speech, in your hands, in your eyes, and, and conditioning your life for the glory of God. You wonder why your marriage may be tanking. You wonder why you've, you, you have so many, you've created so many enemies in your life and you've burnt bridges and you've done this and that and you, you've, because this word has not been in your heart. Get this word in your heart. Where a people should be about life and restoration and, and, and love and, 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 and forgiveness and no bitterness and things. Being, following Christ. You cannot follow Christ without retaining this word in your heart. So as we stand to our feet, We'll have a song of invitation. Once again, we'll ask Ms. Arbor just to start playing softly. But everyone, let's stand to our feet, every head bowed, and every eye closed for just a moment.